to episode 88 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian. We are here at our church offices on 104 Broad Street, and uh, it's a blessing to once again be with uh, our normal cast of characters, uh, Dr. Gabriel Williams, who is a member of Christ Church and a, and a professor of uh, atmospheric physics. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yes, I did yes. just say that. Atmospheric yes. <laughs> physics over at the College of Charleston. Uh, welcome, brother. Good seeing you. And also we have here the future Reverend Michael Bauer, <laughs> who we hope next week will be uh, ordained uh, into the gospel ministry. He's been through all of his exams, and now he needs to stand before the presbytery next week. And so perhaps by the time you are listening to this podcast, he will be the reverend, or perhaps the not so very reverend, <laughs> Michael Bauer. Michael, it's welcome. To the market. <laughs> Good to have you, Michael. And uh, we are here uh, this morning with two uh, very special guests, uh, Robin, Madeline, Heron. And uh, those of you, of course, uh, who are members of Christ Church will know the Herons because they've been committed church members for many years. And Madeline serves as our part-time uh, administrator here uh, at Christ Church, and so you will have uh, had many interactions with her, uh, either face-to-face uh, and or uh, through the email. Um, but it's a really a blessing to have you all here this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. We're glad to be here. And this morning we are uh, going to be speaking with the Herons about a topic that's very uh, dear to their own hearts, and that is uh, missions to Mormons. Uh, not, not Mormon missions, but a mission <laughs> to Mormons and how to effectively reach out to uh, Mormons with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, because as we are going uh, to learn uh, this morning, uh, the Mormons do not embrace uh, the true gospel. Uh, they embrace something very different. And uh, many are confused about that. I've had uh, folks in the past where it surprised me when they uh, after I said something about Mormons not believing in historic Christianity, uh, like the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the divinity of Christ, the doctrine of the atonement, they reject all of those, those things. And even still, uh, I received, an, an, I remember a while back receiving an email from someone surprised that I was saying that Mormons were not Christians. Uh, they call themselves Christians. They, they try to identify themselves with us, but uh, we know that is uh, not the case. They reject the major tenets of the Christian faith. And so mm -hmm. uh, we know that uh, the Herons have been involved in, in reaching out to Mormons for uh, over a decade now, and they have lots of knowledge and experience on these issues. And so we look uh, forward to learning from them uh, today. So why don't we just begin uh, uh, Rob, with you, and uh, I know this subject is uh, very uh, important uh, to you uh, with uh, Mormonism having creeped into some of your family mm -hmm. and these kinds of things. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background, Rob, and also how you and Madeline uh, came, came into this uh, yeah. desire to reach Mormons. Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up, Mormonism wasn't really a part of my life. Um, my father grew up in the Mormon church, um, but around 13, uh, when he was around 13 years old, his father was excommunicated um, mm -hmm. for various political reasons. Um, they had to leave the Mormon church. And so I grew up, you know, basically Southern Baptist, um, not really knowing much about Mormonism. You know, I, I knew that I didn't really 
have much interaction with my extended family on my dad's side, and I never knew really why. Um, but, you know, as I got older, um, I met Madeline, and Madeline has been interested in Mormonism for a while now, and as someone who uh, was infatuated with her, um, <laughs> her interests... Uh, sparked my interests, and uh, you suddenly had a great desire. To <laughs> right, right, yeah. I just, I needed, to, I needed to preach that to, to these particular people. You're like, you're, you're like Nacho Libre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love those things too. Yeah, I do. Um, but no, I. So I, I started, you know, asking her questions about Mormonism, and um, as I became interested in it, it became apparent through just conversations with my dad that, oh, you know, most of my family on my father's side is Mormon. Mm. Um, mm. You know, my dad, um, <laughs> he didn't really like that I was studying Mormonism uh, because he had a very, well, familial relationship with ch the church, um, mm. the Mormon church. He didn't, you know, like necessarily how... Uh, I don't want to say militant, but um, critical, critical <laughs> yes, of Mormonism I was becoming. And so, you know, he he basically provided me with a bunch of these um, LDS materials that he's had for like, you know, 35 years just sitting there gathering dust, you know, and uh, tried to, to say, you know, if you're going to study it, study it, you know, learn it, uh, become familiar with it from the perspective of the Mormon. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I really started to study it and I, I, I wanted to be respectful, you know, for the sake of my family. And sure. um, as I learned about it, the, the more I became really astonished by how this church has become such a successful thing uh, in the world, particularly in America. Mm -hmm. And you know, it be, it was mostly just a, an intellectual thing for me for a while, until in college, I Madeline and I uh, met with some Mormon missionaries, mm. and when I first sat down with these Mormon missionaries mm. and heard them tell me where their hope was, mm. what their their entire life was about it broke my heart mm -hmm. um and i i just i i i wept we, we left that that mm -hmm. that encounter and i just wept mm -hmm. <laughs> um over the the imprisonment that these mm -hmm. people are under mm -hmm. um and so you know it's just been ongoing since then uh for me trying to learn more about it and interact with these people who are generally great people, you know. They're generally very kind and, sure. and, and sweet, um, but they're lost. Madeline, how did you come into uh, your interest in Mormonism? So, when I was 16 or 17, I can't exactly remember, I had a friend um, from my homeschool group who was Mormon, and... Um, I went on a camping trip with her for her birthday and everyone was Mormon except for me. She brought a bunch of girls from her church and they all knew these songs that they would sing at camp and it was like this this great party. And um, 
she gave me my first Book of Mormon and she had written a note inside that said this book is very important to me. Um, you're a person who I believe would be a great member of our church um, and I have found such comfort being part of this church and if you to want that kind of comfort, then you should pray about this book. You should read it and pray about it. There's a, a challenge at the end of the Book of Mormon in the Book of Moroni. Um, it's called Moroni's Challenge. And it says that you should pray about the Book of Mormon. And if you ask sincerely, um, that God will reveal to you whether or not it's true. Um, and that's that's Mormon epistemology right there. Um, this idea of just praying and then waiting for some kind of response. Agnostic. Um, yep. Yes, the very, yes, very much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that often comes in the form of feelings. People call it a burning in the bosom. Um, just this warmth and... Um, peace. Peace, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, a sort of confirmation from their feelings that this is mm -hmm. correct. Um, so I took the Book of Mormon and I didn't really take it very seriously. Um, I met some missionaries a little later than that, um, and I eventually did read the Book of Mormon. I read it twice before I decided to take the challenge. Um, and just briefly before this, I was going through a period of rebellion in my life. Um, I was angry at God, and I just said, you know, I'm not really sure if I believe all this stuff that my parents taught me, um, having grown up in a Christian home. And so I had started just encountering some some darker, more satanic things, studying, you know, what what is out there that could maybe bring me comfort that Christianity has not. Mm -hmm. um, and so right before all of this, my encounter with Mormonism, I had had an encounter with basically Satanism light. Mm -hmm. And, um, cause that's natural for a teenager to think I can't find comfort in Christianity. So I need to go to Satan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe not so much. That's the teenage mind yeah. for it. You know, it's, it's a very deceptive thing though, because yeah. when you start reading on the internet, all these things about, Oh, maybe it's not as bad as, as you thought Satan really oh, gets yeah. a bad rap in Christianity, but yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I had had an encounter before that, um, where, yeah, I was playing with some of those things and I had felt this warm peace. Um, just this, this feeling of fatherly love and I was just kind of enraptured by it. And immediately I, I thought of a Bible verse. It just came to mind. Um, even Satan comes as an angel of light. And I knew in that moment that I was being deceived. And so I, I threw all my stuff away, all my books and everything. And I was just like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to play with this anymore. This is dangerous. Mm -hmm. This this isn't right. Um, and I really credit my parents for that, having taught me the Bible growing up. I had those verses in my mind, um, yeah. and the Holy Spirit brought them to me at the right time. Um, so <laughs> by the time I, I read the Book of Mormon, I was still, you know, kind of gullible and vulnerable to it. Um, and I thought, you know, why not? Why not pray about it? Um, this does seem to coincide a good bit with the Bible. Um, and so I prayed. And when I prayed, I had this feeling of warm, fatherly love. And 
you know, the experience is true. I, I never discredit a Mormon when they say, oh, I had this experience. I believe that they have an experience, mm -hmm. but that experience matched perfectly with what I had just experienced mm -hmm. weeks earlier, playing with these dark, dangerous mm -hmm. things. And I was terrified. I turned on all the lights in my room and I just sat down and thought to myself, you know, I can't trust my feelings. I can't, I can't just rely upon myself to figure out what's true because not only are these two contradictory religions that have caused me to have this experience, but I know that at least Satanism is wrong. And so if I'm having these experiences, yeah. how am I actually going to find the truth? Yeah. It's an important point you make, uh, Madeline, about uh, feelings. Mm -hmm. You can't trust your feelings. Right. You know, the, the, the ethos of this age uh, is how can this be wrong when it feels so right? Right, exactly. <laughs> And those feelings you described, the warm, fuzzy feelings and all of that, I mean, you know, I've had that watching a Jane Austen movie. Sure. <laughs> or being at a U2 concert. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I'm probably going to share Sunday morning uh, when I preach on music, singing, and worship that, you know, uh, you talk about having an experience uh, when The Edge and Bono come out on stage and they're playing <laughs> where, the, where the Streets Have No Name. And there are 80,000 people jumping up and down. You know, it's not hard to call that a religious experience. Right. right. So this is when John dates himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was only like 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when Bono could walk up and down stairs all by himself. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's important, isn't it? Because as, as our listeners are hearing this and as you are training up your children, um, or perhaps you yourself are grappling with your own feelings uh, when it comes to uh, where you're going to decide to give your heart. You know, just remember that you cannot trust your feelings. Uh, the, the question is, uh, is it the truth? Yeah. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus lived, died, and rose again bodily. He, We don't believe in a, a myth or that you know, we love Jesus because he gives me a feeling in my heart. Right. Uh, we love him because he's the risen king. And by the way, when you walk with him, yeah, uh, you have, your emotions are involved in that. But that's not, that's not what we lead with. Sure. Um, well, tell us a little bit about um, Mormonism. The listener, the average listener is not going to know much about Mormonism. Um, what, uh, what would you, what would be your sort of nutshell summary of, of Mormonism? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I just want to say, I should have probably said this a little earlier on, um, the Mormon Church is properly known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if we say LDS, that's an abbreviation for that, or Latter-day Saints, um, there have been some quibbles in recent years about whether or not it's okay to call them Mormons, Mormons but yeah. that's what they're commonly known as, so yeah. we're just using that. Sure. So, so as far as what Mormons believe... Um, <laughs> You know, obviously there's a lot to it. It's a religion. Um, it's its own religion, very distinct from Christianity. So it has all of these different things to it. But at its core... When did it start? Okay. It started Basins. in the... 1820. Yeah. 1820. So I, I mean, yeah, I can sure. talk about that yeah. a little bit. Um, so in 1820, um, a boy named Joseph Smith said that he was searching for the true church. <laughs> and... Um, 
there was a Methodist church nearby, there was a Presbyterian church nearby, and he said, these, you know, these are different churches because they have differences. I don't know what to believe. And so we ended up reading James 1.5. Um, and <laughs> I guess he didn't pay attention to the fact that it said, if any of you lacks wisdom, not if any of you lacks knowledge. So his response to that was to go into the woods and to kneel down and to pray for an answer. What church should I join? And his claim was that he was visited by two personages, God the Father and Jesus Christ, who came to him and they testified to him that he should not join any of the churches for they were all corrupt. Their creeds were an abomination. All of their professors were corrupt. Um, and so he came away from that, um, well, with the basis for this new religion that the Bible had been corrupted, that the priesthood had been removed from the earth, all the authority had been removed from the church um, after the apostles were all killed off. And so there was a need for a restoration of mm. the church that Jesus had uh, formed while he was here. And so that's, I mean, that's kind of what he ran with. Over the next six years, he claimed that he had a lot of visitations, um, particularly from an angel named Moroni, who eventually led him to dig up these golden plates upon which he said were inscribed the Book of Mormon. He then translated it, and now we have these scriptures being added to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so the claim of Mormonism really is that they are the restored church of Je Jesus Christ. They are taking all of the tenets that were lost um, and... Were corrupted. Lost or corrupted, exactly. Um, and they're bringing them back. And that includes the new scriptures. There's the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Doctrine and Covenants, mm -hmm. as well as a living prophet, the president of the church who um, gives a revelation at least twice a year, once in April and once in October at their general conference. And um, really the, the problem that they have with Christianity, if you try to point to God's word, is, you know, that's all well and good, but it, it's been corrupted. Uh, we can't really trust the Bible. Their articles of faith, um, which are, um, it's basically their creed, um, says that, we believe in the Bible insofar as it's translated correctly. Mm -hmm. um, I think they mean transmitted correctly. There's yeah. some quibbling over that. Um, but basically, they're dismissive of God's word where it doesn't match up with what mm -hmm. they believe. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as some of the the major doctrines, there, there are many, many doctrines that are just vastly different from Orthodox Christianity. The two main doctrines that divide Mormons and Christians are what is the nature of God and man, mm. and how do we become reconciled to God? How do we gain eternal life? Right, um, because so, in the Mormon church, they believe that mankind is of the same species as God, that right. we're, we, we are... Of the essence. Of, yeah, we are gods in embryo, is what they would, would say. Um, that God was once like us, he obeyed his father, and through that obedience... Uh, it was exalted and was granted his own universe to, to rule over and he has his own spirit children who are us <laughs> um, and that our entire purpose in this life is to prove to him mm. that we qualify for exaltation 
and, and to, to be like him, as they say. So a fundamental difference between Christianity and Mormonism yes. is that for us, salvation is by grace. Right. For them, salvation is by works. In the Book of Mormon, Second uh, Nephi 25-23 says, uh, For it is by grace that you were saved after all that you can do. Mm-hmm. And their articles of faith um, teach that salvation is by grace uh, through obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Um, so yeah, it, it's very much based on your obedience. So that goes back to what you mentioned earlier about actually meeting Mormons and hearing what they're actually hoping in. Because if you kind of separate that on a very practical level, when you think of a Christian's hope is establishing Jesus and his work alone. Mm-hmm. If you talk to a Mormon who is self-conscious about what they believe, their hope is very, very different. And that is often kind of your... You can say that's your starting point often of a yes. Mormon, dealing with the actual hope of a Mormon. Yeah. And that kind of leads to, I guess, to your next the next kind of question here is two very different religions. They mm-hmm. share similar language deliberately. Mm-hmm. They share language. Yes. But let's get to the idea of you meet a Mormon. So suppose you, you know a Mormon by a friend or maybe a family member, like in your right. case. How do you begin the conversation to talk about, one... Uh, we are not saying the same thing. We are very different. And two, how do you actually uh, minister the gospel to a people who often believe that the feeling they have in their heart is what tells them that they're correct? How do you start that conversation? So, yeah, I guess it's a little different if it's maybe somebody that you know, like a coworker or a friend or family member um, versus missionaries. We do a lot of ministering directly to missionaries. They're okay. They're sent out. That's their specific purpose mm-hmm. is to um, to be out there sharing the gospel with people. So mm-hmm. for them, questions the are <laughs> their gospel, right? Um, so for them, questions are kind of expected. Yes. However, you'll find that the average lay Mormon is going to be open to questions as well. They love to share about their religion and their church. So I would just say, first of all, just ask them questions. Um, I think it would be great, you know, to start a conversation by saying, hey, I heard that you're a Latter-day Saint. Um, You might not want to say Mormons. Sometimes I will say Mormon and I will ask the person if that's okay, just so that I can use that as shorthand in the conversation and there's an agreement. Um, And that that helps mitigate, you know, anyone giving me a dirty look for using that name. I might say, you know, is it all right with you if I just say Mormon? Um, just be very respectful, but I would say the main thing is to just ask questions. And this, this is how you scale the language barrier as well, because you'll find that, um, Mormons do use the same language as us. They will say grace. They will say heaven. They will say salvation. None of those things mean the same thing. So something that you can do to educate yourself, maybe if you know you're going to have this conversation is to go to LDS.org and go to the Bible dictionary and start learning some of those definitions for yourself. But even if you haven't done that, and this is sort of a one-off conversation, always ask the person to define their terms. Um, Mm. Just say, hey, um, so you said salvation. Do you mind telling me what you mean by that? And that is particularly important because what they mean by that will differ from Mormon to Mormon. Mm. Right, Um, exactly. they, they They like to act as if there's this one unified 
church that all agrees on on everything together but really there's there's wide variety in in what each individual mormon might consider grace or might consider when they when they talk about being saved by grace um right so so yeah just being gentle and respectful asking a lot of questions um i find even when you hear something that you know doesn't coincide with the Bible, it's better to couch it as a question instead of a statement as well. So instead of saying, well, John 17, 17, Jesus says, you know, thy word is truth. So you're not going to tell me that, <laughs> you know, that that's not really, that's not really something that's going to be very effective. So a gentle way that you can ask those questions is to say, so you're telling me that you believe that the Bible was corrupted. How does that coincide with Jesus's claim here um, that God's word is truth? His claim here that God's word will not pass away, even facts you know. Um, how does that coincide with what we know about the transmission of the New Testament? Um, all of these things you can you can bring up and you can find a gentle way to yeah, ask and, and them. Nine times out of ten, they're not really gonna have an answer for you. They'll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Generally, they might try to get some kind of answer together, but in the end, they'll end up saying something, in, in our experience, they'll end up saying something like, um, I would have to study that more. What do you think? And that's an invitation. Uh, yeah. right. That's an invitation to go on, you know, about yeah. the gospel and, and to in- educate them about things that they don't know. <laughs> sure. And many times I'll also ask you, you know, where do you find comfort? Which is an amazing opportunity to basically oh, just yeah. quote Heidelberg question and answer no, one. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it important uh, in this conversation, whether we are evangelizing uh, Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or Hindus or Muslims or, or modern skeptics, um, we need to really have confidence uh, in the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the power of God unto salvation. Yes. So, we need to take those opportunities to to share, and a, and a great way to engage with people is to ask them questions, give them an opportunity to, to, to talk and to share about what it is they believe in. And it's, it's often the case that they will say, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, an audience there to listen to the truth, and and then we, we, we share that truth. And we, we shouldn't underestimate Amen. The work of the Spirit right. through the, the power of the Word. So even Absolutely. someone who is wrapped up in a false religion, a, a cult like Mormonism, uh, the Holy Spirit can open their eyes right. uh, and show them. Uh, and what, I, what I've done in the past, and you can tell me if this is a good or bad approach, but uh, when I've engaged with Mormons, it's usually been when they've come to evangelize me, right. and they have no idea who they're getting, <laughs> getting involved with, and I begin asking honest questions about their views of, of various New Testament texts and so right. forth. And what I often do at the end of the conversation, because I know they've come to evangelize me, they've not come to listen to me, and that's, that's their focus in that right. context. And so I usually I'll share um, that with all due respect, and please don't take this the wrong way, with all due respect, the religion that you have embraced is a very young religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a religion that has been rejected by every major tenant of historic Christianity mm-hmm. since its inception. Mm-hmm. And I want to admonish you 
to go and to study the Christian faith apart from your Mormonism. Right. And I want you to understand, and I tell you this in love, that if you continue to walk down this path in Mormonism, that you are going to come under God's wrath and judgment mm -hmm. for eternity. And I tell you that not because I'm, I'm mad at you, but because I love you. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I just think it's important that when we interact with folks, and again, if you're working next in the, in the next cubicle to someone and they're Mormon, you don't need to have that conversation with them the first time you have lunch with them. Right? <laughs> right. I'm talking about right. folks that come to my door or mm -hmm. that I bump into yeah. in Peru, which has happened a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, but... So sometimes we want to develop a longer relationship and look for those opportunities to share. But at one point, we have to be very upfront with these folks yes. about the, the, the deception uh, that, right. that they are under. So anyway, for Yeah, and the, and the most important thing about any kind of methodology that you might use when evangelizing to a Mormon is, first and foremost, to be word-centric. Um, they will insist that you read their scriptures. They will insist that you take the Moroni challenge and pray about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's helpful mm -hmm. to know what their, their scriptures teach, mm -hmm. but it's necessary that you know what your scriptures teach. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, because our scriptures promise us, Christ promises us in the scriptures that he will preserve his church, that he will preserve his word. Mm -hmm. And so the debate... The back and forth between a Mormon and a Christian is not, well, we have these historical evidences and you have these historical evidence. That has its place. But it's, do you believe that God meant what he promised? Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you believe that God is faithful? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that when he says that his word will not pass away, that he means it? Mm -hmm. Right. And that gets to the heart of the issue, which is that they don't, they don't believe God. They don't, they don't, they're in rebellion against him. Yes. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, there, you could go on and on and on about the intellectual problems with Mormonism. Yeah. There are limitless yeah. amounts yeah. of things that yeah. you could talk about as far as that goes. And I, I'm, I, I really do believe, and I think everybody believes this at this table, that there is not only a kind of, well-intentioned philanthropic kind of approach with Mormons that sure. they many of them really do believe that what they are hearing but I think there's a deep deception as well at the, at yes. the height and I, I, I really came to this conclusion in a, in a strong way when when several years ago I was listening to the president of the Mormon Church on NPR give a, a speech in Washington and it was phenomenal 45 minutes of him sharing about all the good they're doing in the world, mm -hmm. the starting of hospitals, the establishing of orphanages, mm -hmm. you know, their, their work to dig wells and to feed the hungry. And it was really a, quite extraordinary to listen to all the things that the Mormon church is doing around the world. And I, I wanted to ask him a question, you know, um, um, and thankfully one of the reporters after the, the, the talk asked the question I wanted to ask. He said, President so-and-so, I can't remember who it was at the time, this is maybe 20 years ago, he said, um, extraordinary things that you guys are doing all over uh, the world. He said, but, you know, my, my Christian friends, they, they all say that, um, that you're not a Christian, hmm. and yet you, as Mormons, 
say that you are you're a Christian. So what are we to make of this? Why, why do they not accept you into the Christian community? Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? Hmm. I just don't know. Oh my I've goodness. Never, I've never yeah. been able to understand that and why they don't accept us. Right. But we call them brothers and sisters and, you know, this kind of thing. Well, he knows full well. He's sure. probably the smartest Mormon on the face of the earth at the time in terms of his knowledge of right. the theology of Mormonism. And he knows exactly why. Because they reject the basic tenets of the Christian historic Christian faith. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, and I think this goes back to what we were saying before about the gentle approach. Um, because especially when you have a missionary, Eudora, these are not Mormon apologists at 30 and 40. These are kids. These are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who are fresh out of their parents' house. Many of whom leave the Mormon faith, right? Lots of people leave the Mormon faith. About 50% upon returning (laughs) missionaries do leave the Mormon faith. Um, Which is a great statistic to bring up when they're yeah. when you're talking to them. And you just ask them which one of you is it going to be? <laughs> yeah. <and> they start <laughs> sweating. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of them are going to be hearing these things that you bring up for the very first time in their life, and so having that gentle approach. What you said, Pastor John, about um, saying those those kind of hard truths to them. What we have found is that you can say almost anything to a Mormon as long as you have that gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. It is important to be able to say those things. You know, you will be you will be under the wrath of God if you continue to reject Him and His Word. Um, That's what are, Jesus said. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They are trained up from the youngest of ages to filter everything that is said through the tone of the person saying it and the sincerity of the person saying it and how it makes you feel when they say it. It's all, it's a fundamentally feelings-based religion. And so showing and allowing it to be apparent that you care for them will will open their ears to to anything (laughs) that you're willing to say. Right. We Um, have very good friends who, um, who are... Um, RMs, return missionaries, and when we went out to Utah, they were so glad to see us, and they couldn't wait to meet up with us and hug us and hear what's going on in our lives. These are people that we told, you will be in hell for eternity yeah. if yeah. you continue in your ways. But, you know, saying it in that in that gentle way, and even because they are so feelings-based, intentionally couching it in statements like, I say this because I care for you. Um, sometimes they need that extra confirmation that that's what's right. going on because the things that you're going to say are not going to be something that makes them something feel great. Something that I think is is crucial um, when, when considering talking to Mormon missionaries in particular is that most of the time they're from the Mormon land. They're from Utah or Idaho or Arizona. They call it the Mormon bubble. Um, right. And <laughs> when, when, they're, when you're from there... You might have never met a Christian before. Mm-hmm. You might have never heard the gospel before. Y- you, speaking to the missionary, are the impression of Christianity that they will have. Yeah, that's right. A good point. Yeah. Um, so the way that you conduct yourself is so important. That's a strong word right. for anybody anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. especially as they're hearing these things that are going to be kind of earth-shattering 
yeah. to them. Yeah. Um, it's it's really important to be mindful of that because you're right. The deception runs really deep, especially for the common lay Mormon. They will not have heard many things that that go against their church. Their idea of Christianity is very weak. They're fed a lot of lies about what we believe. Right. Um, you not, know. And that's not you know it's not to say that if you have a nice voice that it's all going to go well. You right. know, we've had people fly off the handle at us and and run out the door. You know, we've had people <laughs> yes. get in our faces and, you know, wow. but <laughs> you just got to keep at it. Right. So, so Madeline, uh, you've shared uh, several times about you and Rob going to events mm -hmm. in Utah, elsewhere. Uh, tell our listeners about those events and kind of what you were, uh, what your goal was. Uh, while you were there. Sure. Um, so there are a couple different kinds of events that are held for Mormons around the country. Um, the main one is going to be general conference when their prophet speaks twice a year, April and October. Um, we've Salt been Lake. out, yeah, we've been out to Salt Lake City for that. Um, and then we've also been up to the Hill Cumorah pageant, which is in Palmyra, New York, which is a big play that they put on with the Book of Mormon, there are over 500 people in the play, and then there's everyone that comes to see them. So it's, wow. you know, mm -hmm. it's They 10, have several pageants Mormons. throughout the country, throughout the year. A lot of them are closing down because Christians show up, and right. they lose more members than they gain. Yeah, uh, it's become <laughs> a phenomena um, for Christians to go out and evangelize at these events. And so they've started to reduce the events. There's one more Hill Cumorah pageant, um, and then... That one's shut down. The Manti Utah one was shut down. Most of them are being phased out um, because people go and share the gospel. And a lot of people have different approaches to this. Um, there are people who will be out there with signs saying, you're going to hell. Not something I recommend. Um, <laughs> and then there are people who are out there with, you know, different different engaging tactics, just trying to get people into conversation that may be a little more gentle. We know attracting, you know. Yeah. Sure. Um, we like to go, yeah, pe people take tours. Yes. Um, and ask questions throughout the tours, pointing because, questions. Uh, yeah, these are church um, historical sites. Nice. Whether, yeah. you're in, <laughs> whether you're in Salt Lake City, um, where they have the church history museum, there's a lot you can ask about church history and you'll have, you know, 50 Mormons around you. So yeah. asking those questions. You have to be really careful because they have security out there looking for people just like you. We've had to dodge the security <laughs> in Salt Lake City. Uh, had to, you know, take off your off your overshirt. It, they, they recognize you, you know, like <laughs> seriously. Stealth evangelism. And, it's, and it's, it's only because someone overheard that we were asking a question that they didn't like and really? reported it to the security officer. Right. It's not as if we're marching in there and saying, you're all going to hell, Mormonism no. <laughs> is false. We're not being terribly disrespectful. We're approaching uh, particularly the missionaries. And, you know, we're, we're fairly young, so we kind of fly under the radar. We can approach people that look to be about our age or even college students and, um, you know, just talk to them there and, and just start conversations and say, hey, I, I had a question about this. I wondered if you'd be willing to answer that question for me. Um, we went to BYU, Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, um, last time we were out uh, in Salt Lake City. And we went into the cafeteria and people were just hanging out. And so 
Just sat um, down at a table that had a couple seats <laughs> and said, hey, we're doing a, a survey. Well, yeah, we're, we're doing a Bible quiz. Can you finish yeah. this Bible verse for me? And that, you know, that was a really good uh, conversation starter. We used Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, hmm. which sounds like 2 Nephi 25, 23. We'd say, but by grace you are saved. Finish and they would say, verse. after all you can do. And we said, no, that's not a Bible verse. It's a Book of Mormon. Actually, the Bible says this. Um, and they would be astounded. And uh, we had some really great conversations there. But yeah, it just kind of depends on what's going on at the different events, um, what approach you can take. But um, yeah, we've had we've had a lot of great conversations yeah. out there. And um, I have a lot of great, great friends who are also in Mormonism yes. ministry who we would team up with. And Yeah. So one thing I wanted to raise, I think it's important in our over-sexualized age mm -hmm. and when studying cults, you also recognize the emphasis on on sex mm -hmm. uh, within the cults, right? Sure. So mm -hmm. the cult leader, whether it's a small or a large cult, has terrible, um, of course, you know, yeah. behavior towards women, towards little girls, uh, and so in the in the ancient false religions of course we have there are prostitutes mm -hmm. that are connected mm -hmm. to the temples and things like that uh, well of course one of the big stories about joseph smith and uh and mormonism is is polygamy yeah right mm -hmm. uh and the the marrying of of very young girls and, right. and things like that give us a snapshot of that because I, I think it's important to bring up yeah because it is so vile, yeah, and, so it's a, and it's a central part of Mormonism. That is a great, a great question. Um, that really digs deep into the the core of their cosmology, mm. um, because part of, as, as I mentioned before, our purpose on Earth is to become like God, and God, uh, his 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 big mission now that he's a deity is to produce spirit children mm -hmm. so that they can grow up and be like God and mm -hmm. so that they can have their own spirit children who will grow up to be like God and on and on it goes. And so reproduction is the name of the game. Okay. Um, marriage is the name of the game. And so there is this eternal principle that, so polygamy is not a thing in the Mormon church anymore officially. There are still polygamous Sex, sex yeah. such right. as a fundamentalist, Latter-day sure. Saints. Sure. Mm -hmm. But even now, they have a, an afterlife principle of polygamy. Um, because, it, it, well, females are, are meant to be heavenly mothers. They're meant to be heavenly reproducers. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, to put it frankly, the more the merrier. Um, Right, and so what we had historically was all of these Mormon prophets that were just marrying and marrying and marrying, and there's a lot of speculation as to whether there were sexual relationships with some of the younger women. Um, if you dig into the Mormon history, there were. Just... What about Joseph Smith? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. How many wives? Did, yeah, over 30. And the youngest yeah. was what? 14. Yeah, 14. 14. Um, and there, there are lots of Mormon apologists these days that are going to tell you, oh, it was very natural for for women to marry that young. That's not true. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, or that, you so know. We're talking about the 1830s. Yeah, 1830s and 40s. Um, so, <laughs> and then, 
they'll also tell you, oh, there were more women than men, and so in order to take care of them, the men had to marry and marry. It's just not true, and it's, it's just not true. Yeah. Obviously, what was going on was they wanted to marry more women. Yeah. Um, and so Brigham how, Young... So how can they now declare that polygamy is no longer a thing in the modern <laughs> church when it has been a thing yeah. for a hundred and another years an, or whatever. How dispensations. Yeah. Dispensations. Yeah. dispensations. Yeah. A fundamental idea in Mormonism again is, is progress all about, you got to move forward. The, the purpose of, of man is to progress, to become gods. The purpose of there being a church is that you have a living prophet who's able to progress your rev revelation gives you new doctrines, gives you mm -hmm. new revelations. Mm -hmm. Everything changes always. It's always progressing. Yeah. And so their their pat answer is that that was then, this is now. Right. Um, doctrine changes. And they're fine with that. Yeah. Wow. Especially when it, it uh, marginalizes them in yeah. society. Right. Yes. By believing in a doctrine like polygamy. It's interesting <laughs> how um, the, the change in doctrine coincides with the laws of the United States. Right. It's a very American type yeah. religion. In that sense. Right, exactly. The admittance Just of black men president. to the priesthood, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he ran for president. Once. He did but, run for president. But kind of a follow-up question to that. Uh, one of the things we talked about uh, before we started recording is that my knowledge of Mormonism is kind of dated mm -hmm. <laughs> in sure. the sense that uh, the first Mormon I met was probably in the 1990s and... If you talk to someone who's probably in their 60s to 70s today, the every year of Mormonism is very different than the 19 to 20-year-old sort of yeah. person. And so one of the questions I'd like to ask you all is just in terms of the transition of basically today, knowing that, I'm not sure if it's a reaction to how many people are leaving Mormonism, but how is Mormonism changing currently? What's going on today? That's a great question. Um, so the main thing that we have seen <laughs> is that Mormonism has kind of shot itself in the foot. Um, they are a feelings-based religion, as we mentioned before. And so, you know what feels good to a, a 19 or 20 or 22-year-old today is accepting their gay friends being gay. And that yeah. is against... <laughs> that's against official Mormon doctrine, you know, that, you know, this is not what human sexuality is supposed to look like. They've even hung on to that. And so, um, women's rights, feminism is right. another big thing. Um, <laughs> right. why can't women hold the priesthood in the church? Why can't women, you know, go, we know that debate, <laughs> but, but under their religion, they have they have justification for changing those things. Right. Yeah. right. Um, well, they can't change it. The prophet can. But right. they look forward to a day when it will be changed if they just push hard enough, um, which is typically what tends to happen. If, they, if they're going to lose too many members, magically God gives a word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> what we see is that, you know, they have cultivated for generations this feelings-based epistemology, and then they have a group of youngsters who have access to the internet and are living in kind of a postmodern society and saying, well, I like what the culture has to say. I want to accept these things. This feels good to me. It feels right to me. We have and a friend who's in, a, in Salt Lake. Well, she's outside of Salt Lake, but um, who went to Brigham Young University recently and the 
students were all protesting about, was it the women in the priesthood? Yeah, um, there was that, but also um, just the fact that a couple years ago, a revelation was given that the children of gay parents could not be baptized until they were 18. Mm -hmm. And so there's yeah. this outrage about the treatment of these children mm. for their parents' sin and, well, is a parent's sin even really sin? Because love is love and love feels good and yeah, we're Mormons, yeah, so, yeah. Right. you know. Um, so a lot of parallels with uh, liberal Christianity yeah. yes. today. It's very the, rampant. The modern yes. evangelical church that's embracing these same kinds of things just right. down the road at the congregational church on Meeting Street. Mm -hmm. There's a banner out there that's yeah, a rainbow yep right uh, it's, a, it's a rainbow and it says god is still speaking yep. dot 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 and that's the idea right mm -hmm. that that if god is growing and changing along with the rest of us and he's 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 still speaking as in it doesn't really matter what he has said in the past he's yeah. now changing <laughs> what he's saying now then uh then that completely compromises our whole view of the nature of God right. right as a God who does not change he's the same yesterday today and forever right. whereas in Mormonism he's just he's our species right. he's just right. an older version of us right yeah that's, that's very interesting yeah Lorenzo Snow one of the leaders of the Mormon church said as man now is God once was as God is man may become and that's a summation yeah. of their say that again as Man now is, God once was, as God is, man may become. Right. I see. And that's yeah. not, you know, that's not some obscure doctrine. Joseph Smith that taught in the King Follett Discourse, right. which mm -hmm. was a sermon he gave at a funeral. He said, um, you have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil that ye may see. You have got to become God's yourself, just as your Father in heaven did before you. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not only is it very similar to New Age, yeah, New Age religion in terms of us being able to become like God or to be gods, but it gets back to the very first temptation in Genesis. Yeah, right. The devil came to Eve and said, "If you eat this fruit, you will be like God." Which, ironically enough, was not strictly considered a sin in the Mormon Church. Well, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. They defend the fall of man and say, well, they you did know, what was necessary. Yeah, they did what was necessary yeah. for yeah. man to progress. Yeah, but in the end, we all, I think, we need to recognize a, you know, a, a word to our listeners. When you really get down to the the depths of just about every false religion, mm. it's it's a religion that's telling you that that you can be God, that you can, you, you can have your own system of morality. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so Mormonism, of course, is, is teaching something similar to this, that you can be your own God. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if ever as Christian believers, we find ourselves wanting to be autonomous. You know, last episode, we talked about the, the doctrine of the church. If ever as Christians we find ourselves uh, wanting to, to do it on our own and in our own way and on our own terms, uh, we begin to embrace this, this idea that, that Satan gave to Eve. Uh, if you eat of this fruit, then you can have your own uh, way of doing things and don't need to answer to, uh, to anyone. So eat this yeah. fruit. And so while you know, each of these religions, of course, like Islam and Mormonism, will have their authority structures and all of that, uh, in the end, you know, 
people who you tell are going to be gods or can be like God are going to begin to figure it out that I don't need to answer to anybody but myself. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We've even heard, um, you know, millennial and Gen Z Mormons start to say things about the prophet of their church who's supposed to speak for God. Well, who am I really going to listen to? That still small voice, my personal revelation that I have my direct line to God or some old white guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I going to listen to here? If I have this direct line to God and I can receive personal revelation, my personal revelation is that these things are fine. Yes. Yes. So, kind of a final question I want to ask is, you've already mentioned that uh, over half of Mormon missionaries, when they return back uh, or finish their uh, basic missionary work, they usually just leave Mormonism. Mm -hmm. What we also find is that they do not necessarily go to become Christians. Mm -hmm. They usually leave Mormonism and are completely burned out from all religion Mm -hmm. or particularly Christianity are thoroughly secular. So... Just as a kind of a final question, this and how would you encourage someone who is left, who is leaving Mormonism, or has left Mormonism, to not also reject the actual Christian scriptures themselves? Yeah, I would say the primary thing they need to do is to read the Word of God with the eyes of a child. Um, Mormonism breeds atheism. Um, there are so many lies about Christianity. There is so much discrediting of God's authority in his word that, you know, they'll tell you, if you leave here, you have nowhere to go. Mm. Um, yeah. it, it really encourages what I call throwing the baby Jesus out with the bathwater. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they're told if you if you go to to any type of Christianity, they don't have the true church. They don't have the oracles of God. They don't have the priesthood. They don't have a living prophet. What do they have? A Bible. You're going to believe that? It's been through the hands of so many men. And, you know, these Christians can't even agree. What are denominations about? They're, They're learning this stuff from the time they're tiny children, that Christianity is false, um, that can't be depended on can't be depended on which is very ironic considering the recent assimilation where they're Mm. they're trying to look more christian and and kind of appear um as if they're they're one of us but they just have a little more to add on top um (laughs) where behind closed doors they continually discredit the christian faith at at every turn um i'm astounded when i hear supposedly learned mormons um, who are even Mormon scholars say, well, if the Trinity is true and there really is only one God, then who was Jesus praying to at his baptism? Checkmate, Christians. <laughs> you know, just 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 these straw man arguments that are so ridiculous. It's one on one, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, right? Well, it's clear that they don't, they're talking about Christianity, but they don't actually know what Christians believe Right, either. exactly. I mean, they're tritheistic, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. they're really political. They're, po- they're, they're polytheistic. polytheistic yeah. Infinite yeah. deity, whatever yeah. you call right. that. Yeah. It's a fundamentally right. different worldview from a Trinitarian worldview. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, my advice to anyone who is looking to leave Mormonism or is having doubts about their Mormonism is to forget what you've heard and dig into the study of God's yeah. word, to mm. read through the Gospels and listen to who Jesus says he is, even yeah. to dig into history and look at how... Um, God had, had, um, has preserved his word throughout history. Um, you know, there, there are so many lies circulated in Mormonism about how this happened, how evil people got a hold of the Bible and changed it. And 
historically that's simply not true even bart ehrman will make concessions mm. about this um mm. because um you know it's just it's very apparent that god has preserved mm. yeah. yeah and his I, word for us so i have i have two thoughts on this and they'll be my final thoughts um one when we talk to mormon missionaries mm -hmm. one of the primary things that i like to talk about is um you know, they profess Jesus. They, they profess that they believe and follow Jesus. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, uh, which they see as a very crucial part of the redemptive history because mm. the Garden of Gethsemane is yeah. where atonement allegedly was made in their worldview. In the high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for his sheep and he says, um, Father, keep them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Mm. Um, and so the central thing that we always try to bring them back to is the word mm -hmm. and, and, and how God is faithful. Mm -hmm. the, the character of God is revealed in the fact that he's preserved his word. Right. Um, you can trust him. Amen. Um, so that's the first thing is when, when evangelizing to Mormons, anything that I would say to a Mormon is you can trust God at his word and his mm -hmm. word is the Holy Bible, not the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. not these uh, usurpers, <laughs> mm -hmm. but the Word of God, uh, faithfully given, uh, faithfully preached. And the second thing that I would say is that, um, you know, this is a, a lack of Christianity in Mormon land is that there's this gaping hole in the United States of churches Christian Bible believing Bible preaching churches in the Utah, Idaho, Arizona area. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage the church, plant churches mm -hmm. in Utah, plant Good Presbyterian word. churches. Yes. There are not enough Presbyterian churches in Utah at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it, it's a California presbytery. It is, yeah. Um, oh, because wow. they don't even have their own presbytery. Um, yeah, in the um, send BLBC send people, mm -hmm. um, even even to the the general conference events, send people, um, because as I said before, there are Mormons, many Mormons, who have never heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. Right, and mm -hmm. it's easy to, never to hear these things and to to have your head spin and think like, oh, it would be so difficult for me to witness to a Mormon because how am I going to remember all these facts? How am I going to learn all of Mormon history and remember all the differences? Um, they don't even know it, most of them. Right. Many of them don't know it, but, you know, you don't really have to know it either. It's very helpful to know it, but the way that we know what a fake $100 bill looks like is by looking at a real $100 bill. Mm -hmm. If you know the Word of God, when you ask a Mormon to say, um, you know, if you ask them to tell you their definition of grace or who Jesus is, and you get them to break it down for you through those respectful questions, when you hear something that's false, you can just bring them back to the word of God. Mm -hmm. So knowing mm -hmm. your scripture and knowing what God has to say about himself, yes. is it's the most crucial yeah. thing. If you know the gospel, you can share the gospel. And well, it's right in our backyard. Yes. You know? <laughs> it is. And this has been such a helpful discussion. Thank you so much. And just a couple of words uh, to conclude. Um, it's been made very clear here. We'll make it clear again. 
Uh, Mormonism is not a part of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a false religion. It's a, it's a cult. If yeah. you or a family member is involved in uh, Mormonism, then you need to recognize the profound differences. Or if you're contemplating going to a Mormon church, or a family member is, uh, you need to understand that the Mormon church rejects the doctrine of the Trinity. They reject the divinity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reject the atoning, sacrificial, substitute, substitutionary death on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. They reject salvation by grace. And I could just keep going. Right. Uh, they have fundamental, foundational differences with Christianity. And uh, it is a false religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing I think is a really excellent uh, thing for us to remember that Rob just said, if you are a church planter or if you're in seminary and you're listening to this and you're thinking about where uh, to go, where to go plant, um, think about going to plant out west mm-hmm. uh, in Utah or Arizona or Idaho and these, these strongholds of Mormonism where there, there needs to be a, a herald of the gospel uh, proclaiming and trumpeting the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then, um, uh, uh, thirdly, uh, as you uh, think about uh, your evangelism uh, to your Mormon friends, uh, remember some of the principles you've learned here uh, from from Rob and Madeline. And if you have further questions uh, about uh, reaching out to Mormons, uh, please feel free to reach out to us here at the church. And I know that the Herons would be glad to to give you more information or literature that would would help you uh, along the way. Well, what a blessing it has been to be together, and we hope you've been encouraged as we have, and we look forward to being with you next time on Between the Times.